0: Welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel, who's sitting across from me and drinking coffee.
1: (laughs) What a blessing to have a cup of coffee at the beginning of the show. I
0: know, and every weekend, Chris, we're here, we're doing life together, and we're always glad that people join us. It's
1: fantastic to be here again this weekend, and I was thinking about something, Dr. Linda. There's a lot of talk in our culture about being happy. So what makes you happy?
0: Well, that coffee you're drinking makes me you happy. can't
1: have it. It's mine. I know.
0: I love coffee in the morning. It's just one of those things I love. I love warm weather. It makes me happy.
1: That would be nice right about now. It yeah. would. Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, certain people in my life make me happy.
1: Uh, would one of these people be your husband, Dr. Norm?
0: It would be. Yes. Hmm. He makes me happy even after all these years. We've been right. married a very long time. Let's yeah. just say it's over 25 years. Wow. Okay. A lot more right. over 25 years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Forever, right? Yeah. Well, we hear a lot about couples who are not happy and they end up divorcing, especially couples in the celebrity world, but there are many happy couples like you and Dr. Norm. So, today we're going to talk about secrets to a happy marriage and I know you're going to give us the science and the research as well as the uh, the spiritual perspective.
0: You bet, that's what mm-hmm. we do, right? We always look at everything we do from a biblical perspective and right. if it doesn't follow God's word, we're not interested in it. Hmm. But the good news is, People who study relationships and they find out these things that make people happy, Chris, those things always are in concert with the word of God. Isn't that interesting? Exactly. That science actually discovers what God already created. (laughs) Yeah. So in this case, we're going to look at what makes you happy. We're going to look at the secrets. I like Mm. that word, secrets to happiness. All right. just sounds like we should go undercover. (laughs) (laughs) So we all know that romantic relationships can be really challenging at times They can also be rewarding. Hopefully, that's one of the reasons why we have them. Sometimes they can be really confusing, Mm -hmm. and there are even those times when it gets downright difficult. So when it comes to marital satisfaction and happiness, the science can tell us a few things, and we're going to look at those happiest couples and what they do or don't do. So there will be no secrets at the end of the show.
1: Well, some of these secrets will surprise our listeners, and you have a very interesting stat about couples who are happy compared to those who aren't. And you talk about that in your book, We Need to Talk.
0: Yeah. So one thing we know about studying couples is that the difference between happy couples and unhappy couples is this thing that we call a balance between the positive and the negative interactions Mm -hmm. that the couples have during a conflict. Okay. So if I were to video you and your wife Mm -hmm. and watch you talk about a conflict, I could look and see some things in that video, and I could tell you whether or not you're happy or not. Isn't that wild?
1: That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's very specific. There's a ratio that makes love last that they found out with this positive to negative. We call it sort of the magic number or the golden rule of Mm -hmm. relationships. And the rule is this. You have to have five positive interactions for every one negative interaction. So it's Mm -hmm. called the five-to-one rule. Okay. So if I'm watching you and I'm watching you during a conflict and I see that there's five positive interactions for mm-hmm. every one negative interaction, that's one of the secrets to being one of those happy couples. Wow. You have to have that ratio. And if you don't, what we're seeing when we study couples is that they're in a much more unhappy relationship. They're going to need some help. So the next time you have a conflict, if you're listening to this, you could actually Mm -hmm. count the number of positive interactions to negative interactions during that conflict and see if you fit the five to one rule.
1: What if it's only four to one?
0: No, it has to be 5 to 1 according to the studies.
1: can get by with 3 to 1?
0: I don't think so, not based on the data. So, Hmm. you know, I had couples do this. I actually had them so you could actually sit yourself in front of an iMac and then Mm -hmm. have a conflict conversation with your spouse. And you could actually go back and watch it. I had a couple do that and they were horrified (laughs) (laughs) with what they saw. And they go, wow, we really – can't believe we sound like that mm. and we say those things to each other. I was
1: about to say they probably were amazed at how, how mean they were to each other Yeah, throughout the conversation. And they were
0: counting them and they couldn't believe how many times they were negative. So wow. that could be a real meaningful thing to do.
1: What about when you aren't fighting? Is there a magic rule for the uh what we might call the non-conflict times?
0: Yeah, it's not really a rule. It's more of an observation that mm-hmm. they have seen in watching couples. So here's the thing with happy couples. We're talking about couples that just are doing great. They're yep. masters of relationships. They're feeling really happy. Mm-hmm. They have 20 positives for every one negative. This is not during conflict. This is just if I were to watch you all day long and I had a mm-hmm. little counter with me and I was counting the number of times that you were positive when you're talking to your wife versus negative. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting because Matthew seven twelve says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? So if you're being positive to other people, your spouse in this case, then they're going to probably be positive back to you. So what a difference that would make if we walked around in all of our relationships Mm. and we had 20 positives to every time we did a negative. It's taking your attention and it's focusing it on the positive.
1: Mm. How do couples, now get this, who fight in a text message, <laughs> how do they do when it comes to happiness? I know.
0: So this has become a thing, right? Yeah. Couples who argue over a text mm-hmm. and even apologize over a text, or they attempt to make some decisions over a text about their relationship. Well, can you guess? Happy or unhappy?
1: It depends on which um, which emoji you use. No, <laughs> doesn't hap- it? Bad. Happy face, sad face.
0: No, the research says if you're doing it over text, if you're fighting over a text uh-huh. messaging you're going to be unhappy. So the emojis don't help. They don't. In fact, ah. they can't replace your face.
1: Oh, come on. Really? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so fighting over text messages doesn't go well.
1: We are so attached to our phones. Yeah. They go with us everywhere, especially young people.
0: Well, it's almost like they're an appendage. And so right. to fight using text would not mean any big deal. But again, the research is showing us that that is contributing to people feeling unhappy in their relationships. So the bottom line here is happy couples don't fight using texting.
1: Well this next characteristic of happy couples is sad. I bet it doesn't account for the god factor and that's our children. The Bible says children are a blessing.
0: That's right. And I, I really agree with this and some of the happiness research tells us that childless couples are happier than couples with children. Mm-hmm. Now that makes me sad. Right. And that doesn't also mean that you're not going to be happy if you have children. So don't <laughs> don't interpret it that way. It just means that there will be times in your relationship that you won't Feel happy with your kids mm. because kids add stress to any relationship, but right. I think they're totally worth it.
1: Well, I'm sure if someone asked me at certain times during my marriage, uh, I would say that we were not happy all the time because right. of the stress from the kids. Uh, but overall, how can you not be happy about your kids?
0: Yeah, and how many times do your kids bring you together as a couple? Mm. How many times do they bring you even joy when you see them doing things? So Kids do stress out a marriage at times, like we're talking about, but it balances with the rewards, I think. I've heard more people say when it's a choice mm. that they regret not having kids, or I've heard even people say, I wish I had more kids, wow. rather than saying, I wish I didn't have kids. And again, we're talking not talking about infertile couples, but mm. couples where it's a choice.
1: Maybe the problem is that during all of the kid stress, they aren't following the 5-to-1 rule.
0: That's it. That's mm. that, that probably has a lot to do with it. Yeah. So I think what we have to do is we have to think about – You know, sometimes the research says it's going to be a problem. But on this one, I'm thinking that kids are really a blessing in a marriage. So I don't know that I would follow this one too much.
1: I like this next secret to a happy marriage. It says hanging out with other people who stay married.
0: There's a big thing. That's a big deal. There was Mm -hmm. a study at Brown University that said you're 75% more likely to get a divorce if your friend or your close relative has already divorced. You're hanging out with them. Hmm. That makes a difference. And then if you have a friend of a friend, so it's like one degree removed Mm -hmm. and they're divorced and they're unhappy in their marriages, you have a 33 percent more likely chance to get divorced. So all of this means is that people you hang out with, the circle of influence you're in is going to make a difference on your own happiness in your marriage.
1: It, It would make you just focus on all the wrong things with your marriage. Their negativity rubs off on you.
0: Yeah, and it would be discouraging, wouldn't it, Mm, if you're constantly around people like that? So I don't think people think about this one much. I don't think they're considering who are my friends, are my friends happy in their marriages? Unhappiness just tends to breed unhappiness. So the bottom line is find friends who like each other and treat (laughs) each other well in their marriages and find friends who show you how to stick through difficulty and honor their covenant and help your friends stay married by being that positive couple for them. That will actually help your marriage.
1: All right, that's good stuff, and there is more, so stay with us as we take a short break. More on the secrets to happy couples right here on the Dr. Linda Mental Show.
0: Is every spare minute of your life filled with some activity, event, or demand? If so, you could be suffering from a very common American disease. It's called overcommitment, and it has seeped into every area of our lives. I'm Dr. Linda, the relationship doctor, and yes, I'll admit it, I've fallen prey to overcommitment in my life, just like I imagine you have. Saying no occasionally is the best defense against overcommitment. But if it's too late and you're already overcommitted, here's a little tip to help you make it through. In the busiest days, you can still stop and take five just for yourself. When your heart is racing and your thoughts are whirling inside your head, your effectiveness just plummets. But if you'll pause right in the middle of all the hubbub, maybe close your eyes. Breathe deeply and remind yourself that the current task will be completed. You'll feel an immediate sense of relief. Then you can head back into the job at hand with renewed focus and energy. And when the next chance comes to overcommit, it comes your way. You can work on your priorities by just saying, hey, no.
1: This is the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and this weekend's topic secrets to happy marriages.
0: Secrets, Chris.
1: That's right, it's a secret. That's right. <laughs> and Dr. Linda writes about relationships all the time in her blogs. <laughs> you can go to her website, drlindamental.com, and follow her on Twitter, at Dr. Linda Helps, for a quick way to see uh, this week's topics for her blogs. You can also follow her on Facebook, uh, Dr. Linda Mental, author and speaker, and on Instagram, so get connected. And back to our secret topic. That's right you and Dr. Norm fit into this next secret.
0: We do. And I have to tell you, it was not we did not know this when we got married, but there's a whole body of research on how your birth order impacts your marriage and uh, your happiness. Wow. So, so this is really interesting stuff. And it even talks about how it impacts your professional success. So even if you're not married and you're at work and you're an mm-hmm. oldest or youngest, your birth order has something to do with your success. So we're going to look at this in terms of who should you marry? Mm, Should okay. you marry an oldest and an oldest, right. or a middle to a youngest, or what is the the good combination? Here's what the research says: It okay. says an oldest and a youngest do best. Really? Yeah. And the reason for that is because an oldest is used to being in charge. Mm-hmm. The oldest leads. You know how the oldest? Don't you notice this with your your own kids? The oldest is sort of the take charge person. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you're an oldest, and then you marry a youngest, I was a youngest in my family. Mm-hmm. Norm's an oldest. Oh wow! And so, uh, as a youngest, I was like, my brothers were always telling me what to do. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, right. I'm used to following, and I don't mm-hmm. have this real need to grab the the lead and take right. lead. So that does kind of work. Now, I, I can't tell you that I went into marriage going. Okay, what's your birth order? Okay, mm-hmm. I can marry you because you're <laughs> an oldest. <laughs> right. It's interesting because middles tend to be more collaborating, you know? So a middle right. is kind of the peacemaker kid in the family. So that middle can get along with an oldest or a youngest pretty easily. And the youngest, like I am, mm-hmm. we just want to have fun. We're just like the party people.
1: A little rebellious. A little bit, you know? yeah, mm-hmm.
0: with authority. So... If I married another youngest, I don't know that anything would get done. (laughs) (laughs) And then the difficulty with the oldest with the oldest Mm and oldest with an oldest is they're kind of butting heads to see who starts. Now, what are you and Sharon?
1: Uh, I was first. And she's the third.
0: So she's the middle. So that should work. Because Mm -hmm. technically, the middle person should be able to get along with either the oldest or the youngest.
1: So she should be more flexible. Let me tell her that. Yeah, tell her that, will you?
0: Tell her that she's not following the birth order (laughs) rules. So I just think it's kind of interesting. I don't know if I would make marital decisions based on this, but Mm -hmm. it makes us understand why maybe birth order plays a role and makes some people happier than others.
1: Well, here's an interesting one. Happy couples fight at the beginning of a relationship, and then they don't fight as much.
0: Okay, so I know. I read that and I thought, what? But mm-hmm. there is this psychologist named Dr. Herb Goldberg, and he thinks that when you fight at the beginning of a relationship mm-hmm. and you kind of work things through, now that's the key. You have to work things through. Right. It sort of, you know, kind of straightens out over time, and you don't fight as much at the end. And so what do we normally think? We normally think that everybody's in love, they get married, mm. everything's great, and then the fighting builds up, right? <laughs> you see
1: this crabby old couple you know, yeah. on their front porch, right?
0: Yeah, he says it's backwards. So he right. says if you fight more at the beginning, then happy couples do better if they work through that and they become happier.
1: Have they set a standard on how long the beginning is? No, I
0: don't know. I haven't read his research that intensely to know, mm-hmm. but I bet you it has something to do with people dealing with the 5-to-1 rule oh. during conflict because if they're fighting – but they're staying positive and they're working it out, it makes sense that their relationship would get better and happier over time.
1: So the key is to work on all of this early.
0: Yeah, Mm. work on it early on, work through your problems. That's always a key is to try to work through the conflict and see if you can come up with some kind of agreement on how you're going to be, and you'll be happier.
1: Okay, well, here's one couples can fight over, housework. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But you say housework is a key to happiness.
0: That's true. A key to happiness: housework. Did you ever think of that? No. The research says that if you share chores at home, you tend to be happier. Hmm. Share chores. That's right. hard to say. Say share chores share, real chore. fast.
1: Share chores. Is that hard? Sharon. Add a sharon to it. <laughs> it's really share hard chores, to say.
0: <laughs> And so you're even happier if you define what each person's responsibility is. So hmm. if you know what to do, and you know what's expected of you. A study at UCLA says you tend to be happier with yourself and with your spouse.
1: So we should sit down with each other and work out what is expected, uh, who's going to do this and who's going to do that.
0: That's exactly right. Years ago, Chris, I wrote this blog uh, called Men Who Do Housework. happier marriages. Mm -hmm. And it really wasn't the housework that made the marriage happy. What it was is the fact that men were being supportive. Mm. They were helping their wives. They were doing their part, which made their wives feel really good about them. So it did improve their relationships. But yet it was through housework that that happened. So I think you should, you know, start doing more housework.
1: Well, it's good to know, like you said, that it wasn't actually the (laughs) housework. So maybe (laughs) –
0: You picked up on that, huh?
1: Maybe there's a way that I can be supportive, but it just doesn't necessarily (laughs) include, you know, the dishes. But I can make her feel appreciated in other ways.
0: You can try that. Nice try. (laughs) But that would be missing the spirit of all this, (laughs) you know, because really doing shows support. So you're Mm -hmm. right. Doing something shows support. Talking and working out what feels good to both partners is how you want to roll, Chris.
1: Well, I gave it a shot anyway. You did. I tried. (laughs) I know there are a bunch of studies about attractiveness and happiness, and this might get a little touchy. Let's talk about that because this one is interesting, but it's also a little disturbing.
0: It is. So there was a study in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology that said when husbands view their wives as more attractive in the pair, Mm -hmm. so the husband's thinking, i got to have a really attractive wife. Right. Not only are they more satisfied in their relationships, but the wives are too. Really? Yeah. And the opposite was not true. So this is where it gets kind of gender specific. So when husbands thought they were better looking, they weren't as happy. <laughs> so I don't know what that's about. So men with attractive wives were, were reported with more happiness.
1: You know, you've presented lots of facts on this show.
0: <laughs> no, this is disturbing. This
1: is very, very interesting. And it sounds sexist, the idea that a man has to have a good-looking woman uh, no matter his level of attractiveness. That's right.
0: So think about that, though. The trophy wife, have you ever heard that oh, term? Yeah. Oh, you yeah. got to have this. And you do see some less attractive men walking around with some very attractive women. So the research is saying if a man is thinking his wife is really attractive – that whole relationship is going to be happier. Now, I'm not really sure I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds really sexist, doesn't yes. it?
1: <laughs> like I said, I've heard it all now. Uh, before we go to the break, on the flip side of that, you told me that a study also found that men want partners who are supportive, trustworthy, and warm.
0: So there's a little hope there. There's some hope, So it's not just the way the woman looks. There's actually more that they're looking (laughs) on. But what concerns me about this study is that it would put more pressure on women to feel like
1: Mm. I've
0: always got to look really great to keep my marriage happy. And I think what you see in our culture is women who are constantly trying to make themselves look younger and, you know, do things to make themselves look better. And that pressure should just not be there. It should be more focused on what's going on in the relationship. Now, you need to keep yourself up. I'm not saying just get married and let yourself go. Right. But you do not want to have to constantly think, of, boy, I've got to look good all the time or my marriage is going down the tubes.
1: Worry more about the content of the marriage. That's
0: right. right. And a spiritual connection, as we'll get into.
1: Right. More to come on the secrets of a happy marriage back after this.
0: From the moment we're born, we're in relationship. At first, we depend on others to take care of us, to meet all of our needs. Then as we grow older, we make friends, we meet school teachers, later a boss at work and a spouse at home. Every relationship is important. Every relationship requires cultivation and nurturing. And at some point or another, every relationship has its challenges and they revolve around conflict. Did you know that you can grow through conflict and become such a healthier you than you ever expected? Well, I want to help you look at conflict in new ways, to approach conflict in ways that work. My book, We Need to Talk, can help you become a better problem solver, learn to negotiate differences, and strengthen all relationships even when conflict seems destructive. Well, let's face it. Conflict is an unavoidable part of our everyday life. But conflict doesn't have to overwhelm you or destroy your relationships.
1: We Need to Talk, an important book by Dr. Linda Mental, is written to help you successfully navigate conflict. Find We Need to Talk wherever you buy books online. Did you know you have a conflict style? Everybody does. Are you a conflict avoider? Maybe you don't avoid, but instead react intensely. Or perhaps you are a great negotiator. Dr. Linda Mento offers a free conflict quiz when you visit her website, www.drlindahelps.com. Click on the picture of her latest book, We Need to Talk. Then have a friend or your partner take the quiz, too and see if you can navigate conflict successfully. To take the conflict style quiz, click on the cover of Dr. Linda's latest book at drlindahelps.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. And if you're listening today and think, I need a lot of help in this area, we encourage you to check out two of Dr. Linda's books, I'm Married You, Not Your Family, and We Need to Talk. You can find these books on her website along with her free blog and e-newsletter. And uh, Dr. Linda, as we are winding down the show today, Let's talk about the money part, because lots of people do fight over finances.
0: And it's interesting that most people are attracted to their money opposites. Mm. So a spender is attracted to a thrifty person and vice versa. Now, I think that might be because you're looking at that other person thinking, I want to be more like that. I see. Maybe that's why you're attracted to that. But Mm -hmm. when it comes to happiness, that makes more tension, and it does not make people happy.
1: It makes sense because if you put a tightwad and a spender together, then you know they they aren't going to agree on how to uh, how to do things.
0: Yeah, and that would make a lot more conflict, and they would probably get at each other. So the happiest mm-hmm. couples tend to spend money in a similar way, whether that's spending and indulging themselves or they're really <laughs> saving and they're really being thrifty. I don't know. I just think about that. I think so. They're both real thrifty. I guess they like that. We don't have any issues here and then the same with the spenders now the spenders though doesn't that concern well, you
1: Apparently they just enjoy being in debt yeah. together
0: <laughs> So they're happy for a while right. and then when they get their bills they're probably thinking well this was fun but yeah. I don't know if that could cause unhappiness later that I think it
1: would Could be a problem that's right
0: So the takeaway is to talk about your spending patterns and work out a way to handle your finances early In a relationship, if you have a spender, let the thrifty person moderate you. Mm. And if you are a thrifty person, let the spender allow you a little indulgence once in a while. But overall, the key, and this is the key to a lot of the points that we're making Mm. talk it out and come up with a budget in this case.
1: Right. Well, let's talk about the importance of friendship in a marriage.
0: Oh, it's really good news when it comes to friendship. Mm -hmm. So there is actually a study that was done by the National Bureau of Economic Research. Now, would you think of that when you're talking about marriage? No, not really. (laughs) Well, what they did is they looked at, in terms of marriage, on the whole, what increases your happiness? And one of the key variables they found was if you have a good friendship. Mm. So friendship is really a building block of a good, happy marriage. And when I do counseling, Chris, and I'm looking at couples that are really struggling, I have to go back to this foundation of the friendship that a lot of times is lost and start mm. working on that and building that up.
1: It makes sense because when you first meet your friends, you remember how exciting that was, and how much fun that was? Yeah. To, it's easy to take your spouse for granted and put that work aside. We get lazy.
0: We do get lazy. And this is gonna cause problems because friendship helps make the overall feeling of a marriage positive. Mm. And that's one of the things we want. We wanna come out of our relationship feeling more positive about the relationship in general rather than negative. So it's not good to be lazy. You've got to start checking in with your spouse. You've got to start doing things to continue to have that friendship be working.
1: I've asked Sharon before, like, do you still like me? And she says, well, yeah, I guess. Did she ever (laughs) like
0: you? Oh, (laughs) no, you didn't ask that question. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, you know, it's also easy to let kids become the sole focus and uh, stop taking the time to do the friendship things with your spouse.
0: And if you let the friendship wane because of busyness, or stress, which is real tempting to do, like you just said. Mm-hmm. You'll feel it later when the kids are gone. You're not in that stage yet, but there are a lot of people at my age who right. are saying, I, I focus so much on everything about our kids. That I'm looking at this person now and going, who is that yeah, guy? Who are here? you? Right? Yeah, who are you? And we just haven't built a lot of things together. We don't have a lot of shared interests. We don't mm. have a lot of things that we're used to doing together. So you really do not want to ignore your spouse when it comes to maintaining that friendship. Take the time out for date nights and developing hobbies together, doing something together.
1: Mm, well, Somewhat related to friendship is uh, celebrating each other's achievements
0: So when couples celebrate their partner's accomplishments as if they're their own, they Hmm. report more satisfaction in the relationship. Wow. So I get excited when Norm does something Mm -hmm. that's achieving or something accomplished. And he does the same thing for me. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the qualities of our relationship that does make us happy. And the research bears that out. So you need to encourage each other in good times. You need to celebrate the goodness of God when good things happen in your life and the blessings of God. That's what friends do. That's true.
1: Not only should we celebrate our successes, like you said, but consistently tell our partner, good things.
0: Part of this work in couples work is doing this thing we called share fondness and share affection on a regular basis. It's one of those building blocks of happiness in a relationship, but also friendship. And it doesn't take much. So you can say something like, I was thinking about you today, or just, I love you. Any statement like that When you're expressing love, affection, fondness for your spouse, that's going to spike that happiness factor way up.
1: Well, we're almost at the end of the program, Dr. Linda, so let's talk about the importance of the spiritual lives of couples and happiness.
0: Back in 1999, David and Amy Olson did a national survey with over 21,000 couples. In that survey, they included questions about their spiritual life, and they asked them, how does that relate to your couple relationship? They found that if you share a spiritual life with your spouse, that it becomes a happy marriage. I mean, I'm not saying everybody who has a shared spiritual life will automatically be happy, but they found that shared beliefs bring meaning and closeness to a couple, especially during those conflict times. And faith helps you focus on the positive aspects that we've been talking about, and it helps you respect the other person.
1: And we're told in Philippians to think on good things, love and respect, is God's way.
0: So, for the person of faith, marriage can become a sanctuary where you protect, you uplift, you comfort, you help each other through the difficult times. We also know that shared faith lessens conflict and makes marriage an easier adjustment as well. Our relationship with the Lord is that glue that holds it all together. It's no secret. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and you will love your spouse as well. Prayer helps you connect, and it's part of reconciliation. All couples need that. And when couples do things together, like go to church, they also tend to do better. So a spirit-centered life will bring you happiness. Well, we've shared a lot of secrets of happy marriages during our time together. We hope some of these have helped you. We hope you'll look back at this show and you'll take some of the things that we've talked about and put them into action. And that you'll use these tips to do life together with your spouse. That's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to our social media director and producer, Norm Mintel, our engineer, my co-host Chris Weigel, who makes this show a conversation from all of us here at Faith Radio. Hey, we'll talk to you next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're here, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Doing together. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintle Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.